All right, guys, welcome to the Georgia Field Hunting Podcast, episode four. I'm your host, Brian Grossman, and today we're going to be talking about all things Georgia public land deer hunting. Um, now, if you heard episode three, we talked to Zach, Fer- <laughs> Zach Farinbaugh with the hunting public uh, about a lot of t- tips and tactics for hunting public land and scouting public land. But this episode is going to be more uh, focused on the kind of the how-to of hunting Georgia public land. So it's mainly going to be geared for those who have never hunted uh, deer hunted on Georgia public lands, or maybe you've deer hunted in the past, um, but you just need a refresher. So we're going to cover some of the terminology as far as uh, quota hunt versus non-quota hunt, check-in hunt versus sign-in hunt. Um, we're going to talk about uh, maybe some of the better hunts to, to apply for, and, and we might get into a little bit of strategy, um, but a lot of that was covered, again, in episode three. Uh, really good stuff there with Zach Farinball. So if you haven't checked that out and you're a public land hunter, I, I would definitely urge you to check out episode three. Um, but again, if you're a new public land hunter or, or someone uh, who maybe hasn't hunted public land here in Georgia in quite a while, uh, then this one should be very helpful in just kind of getting you um, familiar with with the hunting process here. So with that, we'll go ahead and jump in. Now, this will be, I'll go ahead and, and warn you, this is a solo podcast. I don't have a guest on this one. Uh, probably won't do this real often, but I think every once in a while it's good to cover some topics like this. Um, it probably won't be, you know, super long and uh, you'll just have to give me some feedback, whether you like this or not, uh, or you just prefer strictly the the uh, the guest type podcasts. Um, I am welcome to to any feedback or constructive criticism. So, and you can always do that with a rating or review on iTunes or any of the other podcast platforms, or you can head over to georgiafield.com, uh, shoot me an email, or you know find me on on Facebook or uh, Instagram. But anyway, with that. Having said that, let's go ahead and jump in. And I wanted to start out um, just kind of defining or, or laying out some of the terminology of these hunts because it can be pretty confusing um, for someone new to the process. And, and heck, it can be kind of confusing to people who have, who have been doing this for years because there's several different types of hunts available here in Georgia of deer hunts. We're talking deer hunts here today. Two of the most common or, or I guess the category that all deer hunts will fall into uh, one of these two categories, and that's a quota hunt or a non-quota hunt. And as the name implies on a quota hunt, um, they only allow a certain number of hunters on that hunt, and you have to apply ahead of time uh, to get drawn for that. And that that application process is actually open now, and we'll, and we'll talk about uh, that in detail a little later in the podcast but for now again i just want to get some of this terminology out there so again a quota hunt you have to apply for in advance and be drawn to hunt um, a non-quota of course is just the opposite it's one that you can just show up for sign in and, and go hunt um, and then there may be some hunt or well everything will be a quota or non-quota then aside from that Every deer hunt will also be either a check-in or a sign-in hunt, and, and that's independent of whether or not it's a quota or non-quota hunt. You can have quota hunts that are check-in, you can have quota hunts that are sign-in, uh, and you can have a non-quota hunt that's a check-in or a sign-in. So that that's completely independent of one another. But a check-in hunt, and, and both of these, regardless of whether it's a check-in hunt or a sign-in hunt, you still either 
go to the WMA and physically sign in on a piece of paper. Or you can now do that online as well. Or if you have the Georgia Outdoors app, you can do it on the app. But you do have to sign in prior to going out and hunting, uh, whether it's a check-in or a sign-in. The major difference in the two is on a check-in hunt, if you kill a deer, you then take that deer to the check station. You do not mark it on your on your uh, harvest log. You take it to the check station. Um, they will take collect some data on the deer. Uh, they'll you know weigh it and, and determine the the of course the the sex and the weight and they'll look at the age of it and take some other measurements. And then they will put a tag on that deer for you. So that deer does not count against your statewide limit. That's on a check-in hunt. So it's a bonus deer. It's a bonus buck or bonus doe or uh, depending on what you kill. And on check-in hunts, you're allowed two, well, you're allowed two deer. Um, if it's not a quality buck area, it can be two bucks or it can be a buck and a doe or two does. Um, if it is a quality buck area, then you're limited to one buck, so you can kill a buck and a doe. And and there are specific rules on different WMAs, so you have to know those going in. But that's typically um, a quality buck area. You only get one buck. If it's not, you can kill up to two bucks. Um, and, again, this is on a check-in hunt, and those will be bonus deer. On a sign-in hunt – when you kill a deer, it's just like you're killing it on private land. You have to write it on the back of your harvest log and you have to call that in or check it in on the app and get that confirmation number. And that does count against your statewide limit. On a sign-in hunt, and I know this is a lot, guys, I know. And all this is, of course, in the hunting reg book. So I encourage you, when you get that thing, actually take some time to read it all the way through and particularly read the specifics of whatever WMA you're hunting. But I'm just going to go ahead and go through some of this stuff just so you'll know. Uh, on a sign-in hunt, if the hunt is less than 10 days, so if it's just a three-day gun hunt or if it's less than 10, um, you're limited to two deer. Uh, and again, it depends on whether or not it's a quality buck area or not, whether that's two bucks or a buck and a doe or two does. Um, if the hunt is greater as 10 days or more, so say it's the archery hunt on a WMA, maybe it's open the entire, that WMA is open the entire archery season. So obviously that's well over 10 days. Then you're allowed the statewide limit. So you can kill up to two bucks and 10 does on that WMA um, if it's a sign-in hunt greater than 10 days or more. So they're clear as mud, I know. <laughs> but again, you, so you have quota hunts and non-quota hunts. You have check-in hunts or sign-in hunts. Um, and the main difference in the check-in and sign-in being whether or not that deer counts against your statewide harvest log. Now, one thing to keep in mind here is I'm talking specifically about state managed wildlife management areas um, if you're going to hunt on a military base um, in the national forest or a national wildlife refuge that kind of stuff that's that's uh, regulated by the federal government there may be some there will be uh, some different rules in place so uh, again what i'm talking about here for the most part is the state managed wildlife management areas um, and the best way to get started, if you're if you're new to this game and, and you you want to start hunting public land here in Georgia, 
is to get a hold of the the Georgia hunting regulation booklet, which it's not out yet as the, as of the day I'm recording this, um, but it should be coming out anytime now. Once you pick up that reg book, which which once they're out, they're available. Of course, they're available online, um, but you can go pick one up at any Walmart or um, pretty much anywhere that sells uh, hunting and fishing licenses. But if you'll flip to the back half of that, <clears throat> every WMA in the state is listed in the back of that with the specific season dates for each of those WMAs. And every one is different. So I, I can't give you any blanket statements that will cover every WMA. Um, you have to get that guide, look in the back, and see when each of those WMAs uh, has a season open. So what I would do if I, if I were you and I was just starting to hunt a, a public, public land hunt this year, um, pick up one of these guides. There's actually a map in there. Um, that just has a, a little dot for each WMA location and it's numbered. So it, it's associated with uh, all the WMAs. So find some that are, you know, within w- whatever you're willing to drive, whether that be 30 minutes, an hour, uh, two hours, uh, whatever the case may be, find some areas, um, you know, within that driving distance of where you live and start doing some research. See, um, flip to each one and, and see when those hunts are. Um, and the different rules, whether or not you need to apply now during the quota hunting application period or whether it's something you can just sign in for uh, and start planning those hunts out now um, so you don't get caught by surprise come deer season uh, and you know you decide you want to hunt this WA close to your house and find out that it's a quota hunt and you didn't apply, so you can't. So um, it's good to go ahead and start making these plans now so you have a place to hunt come September if you're a bow hunter or uh, October you know if you're if you're a rifle hunter um, and just start figuring those rules out so for instance um, Big Laser Creek uh, Wildlife Management Area is the closest WMA to me I'll be hunting there quite a bit this fall Um, and and I'm looking I'm going off of last year's guide here that I have in front of me but uh, their archery season is open for about three weeks the first part of September um, when the regular archery season opens, it's open for about the first three weeks. Uh, and then it's open for another, looks like two weeks at the end of October and early November. That's the only time you can archery hunt it is those two periods. Um, and then there's several gun hunts. There's, there's a youth hunt and that's a sign in. So anybody can bring a youth out there and sign in and hunt at the end of September. Um, there's, a gun hunt and it's usually the opening weekend of deer season um it actually it usually starts the thursday before opening day of deer season and runs through uh, that weekend uh, and then there's one in november a three-day gun hunt uh, and then there's also a specialty hunt in uh, the middle of november which is for youth um ladies disabled uh, so any any of those can hunt that uh, that November hunt. So again, it, it's not you know it's not something you can just go out and hunt the whole gun season or even the whole archery season. There's specific hunts, and that's why I'm saying uh, you need to plan ahead. Um, 
And this guide will also give you the specific harvest restrictions for those WMAs as well. Um, again, just I'm giving Big Laser as an example because uh, it's closest to me and I had the book open here to it. But um, that is a quality buck area. So bucks have to have at least four points on one side. And some of their hunts, uh, some of the gun hunts, you can only kill a doe or an antlerless deer on the last day of the hunt. So there are typically three day hunts. The first two days, it's going to be buck only. Then you can harvest the doe. So as I said, these season, I know it seems complicated. Um, there's separate rules for every WMA. So the, the best course of action or the best, the best way to handle this is just to look up the rules for the WMAs around you that you're interested in hunting and make sure you know those specifically. Um, you don't have to know the rules, of course, for every WMA out there. Um, and there are a few rules that are outlined in here that apply across the board for every WMA. But for the most part, every WMA is going to be a little different in the season timing, uh, harvest restrictions, and uh, you know whether or not it's quota, non-quota, or check-in, sign-in type of hunts. So basically, the, uh, the moral of that story is pick up a, uh, the hunting regulation booklet and look that thing over uh, very well before you, before you head out into the field or, or head to a WMA this fall. All right, let's talk a little bit about the quota system because I've, I know I've thrown that around a little bit already. Um, and again, quota hunts are ones that you have to apply for in advance. And that period is open now. I believe it opened around June 1st. You have until September 1st to apply uh, for one of those hunts. And of course, since there are a limited number of people that will be drawn, you may or may not get chosen for, for that hunt depending on... Um, Again, how many people put in and whether or not you have any preference points available. And preference points, if you're not familiar with that, every year that you put in for a hunt and and don't get drawn, you get a preference point. Um, and that gives you a better chance of getting drawn the following year. Um, and you can build those points to, to the point to where, um, you know, some hunts may take one preference point, some may take three preference points so some, uh, certain hunts certain deer hunts it may take you three years before you can draw that hunt other hunts you can draw every year it just depends on the demand and uh, the good thing is that georgia dnr actually puts out a uh, the drawing odds based on the previous year uh, and you can find that on their website um but that gives you an idea of how many points it at least shows you how many points it's taken in the, the past to draw that hunt, which, you know, will be a pretty good indicator of, of what it's going to take you this year. Uh, unless for whatever reason, you know, there's just some increase in demand for a particular hunt, but, uh, that'll give you a pretty good idea. And, and most hunts, I don't know if there's any that take more than three preference points for deer. Um, there may be one or two, but, but most of the hunts you can draw with two or three preference points. And again, some of them you can draw every year with none, uh, depending, depending on the hunt. So, Anyway, you just you'll need to go to gooutdoorsgeorgia.com. And if you don't already have an account, you'll need to create an account. Doesn't cost anything. Uh, and then you can go into the quota hunt part of it and see the different uh the different hunts that are available uh and apply. I think you can apply for up to three. You know, you give your 
in order of preference the one you know the one you want to most want to be drawn for you put as your first choice then you can have a, a second choice and a third choice um, that you could potentially be drawn for and the georgia dnr actually just put out a great video that walks you through the entire application process and i will put a link to that in the show notes of this so you can check that out and and see exactly how that's done now i have not gone in yet and looked at the the full list of hunts available this year i haven't haven't quite decided what i'm going to personally apply for but um just i guess we can talk a little bit about i can't tell you the best hunt to apply for or the 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 hunt where you have the best odds of of killing a uh, uh a, a big buck or a mature buck um but you know there there's some i can give you some ideas that um some of the WMAs in Region 4, if you're looking for a quality buck, and, and a lot of this was covered uh, on the podcast we did with Charlie Killmaster, Episode 1, uh, with Charlie Killmaster, the deer biologist for the state of Georgia. He talked a little bit about uh, the different quota hunts and, and which one uh, you could choose if you're looking for, which ones to choose if you're looking for quality a quality buck and which ones to choose if you're looking for quantity just wanting an opportunity to put a deer in the freezer and um, some of the the ones that uh, continually produce pretty nice bucks are uh, a lot of those are in region four of the state the west central part of the state so you have areas like uh, Joe Kerr's wildlife management area is is has been known uh, historically for producing some nice bucks uh, BF Grant is another one that has produced some nice bucks. Um, you have the uh, Chattahoochee Fall Line uh, Wildlife Management Area has several tracks, and the Fort Perry Track um, has produced some some good bucks, and the Almo Track has produced some good bucks as well uh, for for that area. Uh, some others. What am I missing here? There is a uh, and you know I say all that you have the opportunity the potential to kill a nice georgia buck on just about any wma in the state it could happen obviously some areas uh and and particularly those that have an antler restriction in place um, you're more likely to encounter an older age class buck so uh, that's one of the primary things i would look for if i were going to a wma uh, looking for an older age class buck is whether or not antler restrictions are in place there and how long they have been in place so again you have joe kers you have bf grant uh, you have the chattahoochee fall line tracks and there's actually a new a brand new track there um, that uh, the the hilliard track this will be the first year hunting it and it's my understanding that was uh, at one time a very well managed piece of private land so that might be a good one this year uh, Flint River down in Region 5 has uh, historically been known for good bucks as well. And again, you know, there's lots of WMAs across the state where you could encounter a, uh, a big mature buck. So um, I'm just mainly pointing out the ones that, that I'm familiar with. And, and since I live in Region 4, the west center part of the state, uh, and worked there. Uh, I used to work for the DNR in that part of the state managing uh, public land. So I'm very familiar with those areas. As far as quantity of deer, um, again, you know, Region 4 has some pretty good quantity of deer. Uh, and then as you get south, 
you know, in the southern areas are going to have higher numbers. The coastal area, particularly the barrier islands, if you're going for a just a really cool experience and quantity of deer, just being able to see a deer and have an opportunity to put one in the freezer, even though it might not fill up the freezer quite as much as a deer in a, another part of the state. But those uh, barrier islands and coastal area are going to provide a, uh, a larger quantity of deer. Uh, more opportunity to to put a tag on one so i'll uh, leave that at that and again uh, charlie provided some information in episode one that you can go back and listen to uh, a little bit more about you know those wmas and and which ones uh you, he might select you know in applying for a quota hunt all right now let's talk a little bit about um, what you need as far as licenses and permits to be a legal uh, georgia public land hunter and, and fortunately, this has been simplified by the Georgia DNR. Uh, just a couple years ago, they eliminated the um, WMA permit. So you no longer need that. All you need to hunt deer on at least the state-owned WMAs is your hunting license and your big game permit. And then, of course, your, your deer and turkey harvest log. So it's the same thing you'd need if you were hunting private land. So it's very simple. You don't need any special permits anymore, Um, just the basics. And, of course, like I said, you'll need to know the rules and and need to sign in uh, prior to the hunt, and you're ready to go. So that part of it uh, is very simple. So we've covered the the types of hunts, uh, non-quota versus quota, check-in versus sign-in. We've covered how to apply for a quota hunt. Um, We've talked about what you need to be legal uh, to hunt a wma so i think i think the basics we've we've kind of handled now let's jump into a little bit of kind of tips and tactics for hunting a new piece of public land or like i said if you're just starting to hunt public land um, these are five steps i would take uh, to help ensure that you not only stay legal but that you have the best experience and the best opportunity um, to harvest a deer and I would start out uh, once you, and this is assuming you've, you've picked some, some WMAs around you that you want to try to hunt. Um, I would start out by getting on a mapping program like Onyx Maps is, is the one I prefer. There's, there's some different options out there, uh, but Onyx does a good job. Uh, it shows land ownership so you can see the outline, the boundaries of the public areas. Um, you can overlay aerial photos and and uh, topographic features so you can see both at the same time which i really like Uh, and you can uh, basically work it like a gps you can mark waypoints uh, tracks and um, just pretty much anything a handheld gps will do uh, you can do with onyx maps and the good thing is too it you can access it on a computer a desktop and you can mark points and stuff on it and then when you're out actually on the WMA, you can have your phone in hand and you'll have those points and everything uh, on the app on your phone. They'll transfer. It'll sync between your desktop and your uh, phone, smartphone. And you can also save the maps, the aerial photos and the topographic maps uh, on your phone. So if you get out there to this WMA, which this happens to me a lot, um, I'm a public land hunter and I, a lot of the WMAs I hunt, you do not have a good cell phone signal out there. 
but it doesn't matter if you've got your map saved um, the gps on your phone will work regardless of your signal uh, of your phone signal and so you can still use that onyx app if you have your map saved regardless of whether or not you have a good cell signal so uh it's it's definitely helped me out um and like i said there's other ones out there i haven't tried them all but i just know the the onyx works well for me um, but get that get that mapping program out and start looking at these wmas uh, that you're wanting to hunt uh, and, and another mapping program, the, the DNR actually has one itself. You can go to their website, and, and I'll post links to all this stuff I'm mentioning during this episode uh, as far as websites and stuff. I will put those links in the show notes, so check those out. But they have their own mapping program that, that is similar to like an Onyx. doesn't have all the features, but uh, the one thing I like about it, and I'll often switch back and forth between Onyx and the DNR one, is that it has the roads, the WMA roads marked. So you can tell whether or not, you know, if I'm looking on Onyx, I see the roads on the WMA, but I have no idea if those are roads I can drive on, if those are foot travel only or what the case may be. Um, but those are marked on the DNR one. So you can, they're marked whether or not it's a, uh, an open road or a closed road, where the gates are, that kind of stuff. So that comes in very handy in being able to uh, look at a WMA, and and one of the things I'm looking for is access. Where is everybody else accessing their hunting areas, and how can I get away from that? So I'm looking at at areas that are far away from any potential access point. So it might mean a good walk. Uh, I'm looking at water access. Is there a way I can kayak in and get away from the the walk in crowd? Um, or any type of you know, maybe a creek crossing or a river crossing that you could use to your advantage. You know, most people will not cross water when it comes to hunting, or at least, you know, if they have to get in over a normal boot depth, um, they're not going to cross that. So look for any areas that stand out on that particular WMA as hard to access. That's that's your best bet for getting away from the crowd. And you can bet that the, the older mature deer are going to be away from the crowd. Um, and sometimes, you know, it doesn't always have to be miles and miles from the road. Look at places that could potentially be overlooked. It might be near a road, but maybe it's maybe it's an area where there's no actual pull-offs or access. You would just have to ease off the road and go in. That might be a potential place that gets overlooked, um, even though it's close to the road. If there's no designated pull-off parking area, um, sometimes people will drive right past it and never think to stop there. So you just have to do your homework uh, and get out there. And, and we'll talk about that actual boots on the ground scouting here in a minute. But I, I start out with the mapping program. I'm looking for hard to access places and I'm looking for those transition areas. And a lot of this we covered or Zach covered very well in the previous episode, uh, the previous podcast. But deer are creatures of edge. They like where different types of habitats meet. And, and so that's what I'm looking for as well on these maps. <clears throat> it might be where a clear cut meets uh, mature pines or mature hardwoods. Uh, it might be where pines, uh, young pines meet hardwoods. Um, it might be where a thick grown up bottom meets uh, 
mature pines. It's just any t- anywhere where different habitat types meet. And the more of that edge you have, the more different habitats coming together, the better off you are. Um, the deer are going to use and travel those those transition lines. So I'm looking for those two. Those are the two main things I'm focused on when I'm looking at a, a new piece of public land or really a new piece of land period that I want to try to hunt. Um, I want to get away from the crowd and I want to find those transition areas. And so I'm going to mark those on my map. And, and I liked Zach's idea. Uh, he said he likes to find about 10, at least 10 spots before he goes to a WMA that he would, that looks good, you know, on, on the computer. Uh, so you have those spots picked out. Uh, but before you head out to the WMA, my second suggestion, second tip, is to make a call to the uh, the DNR office that oversees that area. So there's, there's regional offices, DNR offices across the state. Um, you can find those numbers in the, the hunting guide once that comes out, the hunting regulation booklet. Call the, the, the office and speak to either the biologist that oversees that area, that's a good starting point, uh, or I really like to talk to the technician that oversees the area because the wildlife technician, because they're out there uh, on pretty much a daily basis. And they're the ones that, that really, um, you know, again, they're out there day to day. They're seeing deer. They're, they're seeing where the hunters are. They have a, a really good grasp on what's going on on that particular WMA. And the biologist may too. Uh, and the biologist can often tell you more about maybe the, the harvest that occurs out there. Um, might be able to tell you more about the overall hunter density. Uh, they can give you the data, uh, but I like to talk to the technician to get that, you know, where they see the day-to-day happenings out there on the WMA. Uh, so make a phone call to the, the biologist and or the technician and talk to them about hunting on that WMA. Now, I will say, as somebody who worked on public lands for years, um, do not call them and, and ask them where you can go to kill a big buck because they're not going to tell you. Uh, chances are they're a deer hunter too. They may hunt out there themselves. They're not going to give up their spots. Um, and that was just always a turnoff for me because it's it's telling me that, th- that this guy or this person is looking for the easy way out. Uh, they want me to give them the answers and they're not doing their own homework. Uh, so I was much more open to a person who would call me uh, and I could tell they had done their their work. They had they had already looked at some maps. They had an idea of the area, and they were just looking for specifics, things like, you know, which areas uh, of the WMA get the most hunting pressure. That's one I you know I would definitely help them out with. Um, what are the different food sources on the WMA? What are the deer eating during the different times of the season out there? Uh, you know, is there a lot of white oaks? Is there a lot of red oaks? Is there food plots planted? Um, you know, there's different things you can ask them as far as that goes. Um, you know, you can ask them about the age structure out there and, and the hunter success rate, that kind of thing. Um, but Again, don't just call up and say, hey, where can I go kill a big buck out here at, you know, Flint River WMA? Uh, They're probably not going to give that up. So give them a call, see what you can find out, and help narrow down those locations that you've picked out. Um, They may be able to point you in the direction of some places that get overlooked that you didn't have marked on the map. Uh, They have that, that 
insight of, of working out there day to day and seeing what's happening. So uh, use that to your advantage. Those guys, man, I can tell you, I, I love talking to guys about hunting. And, and when somebody called me up to ask about a WMA, if they were knowledgeable and, and seemed like nice people and stuff, I'd, I'd give them a lot of information. And sometimes I'd hang up and be like, man, I shouldn't have told them all that. But, uh, you know, it's just all about having the right attitude and, and being, you know, easy to talk to and, and showing me that you had done your homework ahead of time. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that's the next thing. And then, of course, from that point, it's, it's time to put boots on the ground uh, and actually do some scouting. Get out there to those areas you had marked. Um keeping in mind the information that you gained from the biologist or the technician and start going to these these different areas and just scouting them as, as quickly and as thoroughly as you can. Look for sign. I mean, you really, man, if the area, if you get in there and start looking around and it just doesn't jump out as, man, this place is full of deer or there's a lot of hot sign here, a lot of, um, maybe you see a lot of old rubs in there, some scrapes and, uh, you know, just a lot of deer sign. If it doesn't jump out at you, mark it off and head to the next one. You know, don't waste time on an area that just doesn't, you know, just just doesn't stand out as a place where you could kill the the type of deer you're looking for. Um, so get out there, put boots on the ground, do your typical type of scouting. Um, look for areas that really jump out as hey, this this place looks good. This is this is a definitely a potential spot to hang a stand. And of course, you know, mark all this on your, your mapping program as you're doing it. Because if you're like me, you know, I can get out there and scout in, in uh, late winter or even during the summer, see all this stuff, all these great places. And then by the time deer season rolls around, man, I, I can't remember what I seen where and, and which spot, you know, which tree I'd picked out for a stand back in the summer, that kind of thing. Maybe you're not old and forgetful like me, but, uh, uh, definitely it helps having that mapping program to mark all this stuff on and, and refresh my memory when the time rolls around. One quick disclaimer when it comes to scouting WMAs is that if you're going prior to the hunt, um, there's a good chance that the gates on that WMA will be closed. So some of the roads that you can access during the hunt will not be open prior to the hunt. They uh, normally don't open those gates until the day before the hunt. So you might have to uh, wear, wear out a little more boot leather to get in there and scout prior to season. So just a warning, just know when you show up uh, out there during the summer, there's a pretty good chance that those roads are going to be blocked. So it does take a little more work to scout off season, but you know, they do that to keep down the wear and tear on the roads because man, when the gates are open, uh, there's going to be people in there and there's going to be goofballs, um, with their four wheel drives, tearing the roads up, getting into the fields and that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and they just, uh, that's expensive. Road maintenance is expensive, a big part of managing the WMA. So they keep those gates closed during the off season a lot of times. Um, and it also gives, it takes some of that pressure off the wildlife itself. So people aren't constantly driving back and forth in there and disturbing the wildlife, lets them settle down. Uh, and those deer will actually, you know, they'll be in there closer to the roads um, because they're not getting disturbed during the off season. So just, uh, just something I wanted to note before you made the drive out to your uh, local WMA. My next tip is one that, that scares a lot of people and that is running trail cameras. So, 
uh, once I've identified these areas, uh, I've gone in and scouted and, and I've found some places that really look good to me, have a lot of sign. I'm going to put out some trail cameras and yes, there is a risk of getting those cameras getting stolen on public land. Of course, there's a risk of those cameras getting stolen on private land. So I do take some precautions to try to minimize the the risk of that. But it, it yeah, the the chance is always there that they could get taken. Um, but what I do is is for one, I'm typically off the beaten path. You know, I'm not hanging these things on a, a food plot. You know, 200 yards from the parking area. Um, I'm going to be off the beaten path where there's not a lot of foot traffic. I'm going to hang these things. I, I carry a climbing stick with me, one climbing stick, so I can so I can get these cameras about 8 to 10 feet off the ground, angled downward. And that's going to kind of keep them out of the line of sight of just somebody happening to pass by. And in a lot of cases, I'm going to have a cable lock on them. Now, I don't always because I don't have enough cable locks for, for all the cameras I have. Um, I've been adding a lot of cameras this year, and I've been adding – the cheap $30 Tasco cameras. Uh, no, they're not the greatest camera out there by any means, but for the price, I think they're hard to beat. And if I go out there and my $30 Tasco has gone, I'm going to be a lot less upset than if it was my $150 Moultrie. Um, so I'm willing to sacrifice a little quality and some of the features uh, in order to have a little more peace of mind and, and those $30 Tascos do the job. So I've been buying those up, um, pretty much every time I get paid, I've been picking a couple of those up and getting them out there. And, uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily worry about having a cable lock on them. Uh, I'm just keeping them off the ground, uh, keeping them in a remote area. And, and for the most part, I haven't had any issues so far. I'm sure the day is going to come where I go out and the camera's going to be gone and, and I can live with that, especially if it's a $30 camera. Um, still won't like it. It'll still make me mad, but a lot less mad than, than again, if it was a, a much more expensive camera. So the intel that I get from those cameras, to me, is worth the risk. And like I said, I'm, I'm minimizing the risk anyway, and you can do the same thing. So I would encourage you to give it a try. You don't have to put a lot out there, but if you find a couple of good spots, man, get you a couple of cheap trail cameras and give it a try this season. Uh, you might be surprised at uh, the fact that one, nobody bothers it. And two, you might get some really good information from those cameras. Cause what I'm looking for is a mature buck. I mean, I, I'm finding these areas that look good on, on computer that I'm going out there and, and narrowing it down to the ones that look good uh, in person. And then I put those cameras out to see if I can locate a mature buck to hunt. He might not be in that exact spot come deer season or as the deer season progresses, but I at least know um, that I'm in his home range and I can move some cameras around to different spots and try to narrow it down to a core area where he's spending the most of the bulk of his time. Uh, and then, you know, it's just a matter of kind of honing in on him and trying to trying to uh, intersect him at some point during the season, which, you know, sometimes works, sometimes it doesn't, but uh, they at least kind of keep you in the ball game. Um, so you at least know that there's a good book buck in that area. And that certainly helps kind of keep me motivated throughout the season. Now, my last tip 
is just to when hunting public land, you have to be persistent and just just hang in there because it it's not easy. Um, it takes time. Yeah, you could go out there your first year and kill a really good buck, and and that's great. Um, but for most of us, it takes time to learn that area and just familiarize yourself with with what the deer are doing. Um, and which areas are best and uh, which areas get the most pressure and all that kind of stuff. It just takes time. And, and that's the cool thing about it is, yeah, I hate to go through a season and, and not kill a, a good buck or, or fill my freezer up, but I at least walk away with, with knowledge, with uh, a better understanding going into the next season of what the deer are doing. And, and I often take what I learned during the season and spend a lot of time out there scouting uh, after the season with that information in mind to just kind of try to fill in the missing pieces, you know, based on the movement that I seen during deer season, um, trying to figure out, you know, why deer went the direction he went, what, where was he coming from? What was he headed to all that kind of stuff? Uh, it really just helps me kind of get a, a bigger picture of what the deer are doing on that, uh, particular piece of, of public land and, and it helps you be a more successful hunter every year. Um, you should be, you know, seeing more deer, seeing better deer, or getting more shot opportunities if you're if you're taking all this in and and using uh, that information you gain each season uh, to improve your odds the the following season. So that's it. Just stick it out. Um, again, just you know, if you're not having success, keep moving around keep plugging away and just consider it all a learning experience and have fun. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. If you're not out there having fun, then, you know, you might as well hang it up and take up golf or something because, um, while we all want to kill a good buck, we all want to fill the freezer. Uh, it's ultimately it's about having a good time and being out there in nature and, and just enjoying ourselves. And, and hopefully you're, if nothing else, you're doing that. So, that's what I wanted to cover as far as hunting public land. Um, let me know what you think about this kind of podcast. Again, I'm not going to, uh, every podcast is not going to be just me sitting on here talking uh, by any means. Um, the, the majority are going to be interview style um, meeting with, with guys and, and gals out there who are successful in, in their endeavors, whatever type of hunting they're doing. Because um, I, I am certainly not a, an expert on on anything in particular but uh i've been hunting a long time so i try to share what what i do know with you guys and and this was geared mainly towards folks who are new to the public land game so um, i can certainly provide some information uh, to those types if if you're new to it and uh hopefully you took something away from this but uh, give me some feedback uh, if you would as as always i ask you to um, go to itunes go to google play whatever podcasting platform you're using give us a rating give us a review let us know how you're how we're doing and and any suggestions you have for the show um, you can always reach out to me either through the website georgiafield.com uh, through our social media channels and just um again give us some feedback if there's a certain guest you'd like to see on the podcast hey let us know if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast you know if you're kind of an expert in your field or, or you have success at a certain type of hunting or land management or whatever the case may be um 
let us know. We want to have uh, all types on here and uh, kind of all different experience levels because we can all learn from one another. And that's what this is all about. So uh, we'll wrap it up. And until next time, my, I'm Brian Grossman with the Georgia Field Hunting Podcast. And as always, hunt safe, shoot straight, and always enjoy your time in God's great outdoors. And we'll see you next time.